you know, Paul said, I would not have known what sin was if it were not for the law. So, um, you know, I, the church that refuses yeah. to stand against uh, the evil of abortion has already abandoned the gospel that it claims to be protecting. As America marks the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, we remember the 63 million children who have been lost to abortion. As the years go by and the death count grows, many don't see any end in sight. How can the church stem the tide of abortion killing? Stay tuned to find out. The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work and the radio program by going to createdequal.org. Today on the program, my guest is Michael Spencer, and Mike brings to the table 23 years of being a pastor. He's also was part of Life Training Institute, which is the organization that Scott Klusendorf heads up, and he was on the staff there for eight years. And now he serves as the founder and president of Project Life Voice, which is a gospel-driven human rights organization that equips and inspires pro-life ambassadors to speak compellingly and to act sacrificially on behalf of the unborn. Also, Mike has a new book out. We're going to be talking about that today on the program, which is called Humanly Speaking, The Evil of Abortion, The Silence of the Church, and The Grace of God. Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Mark. Good to be with you again. So, Mike, uh, you know, I've been wanting to bring you on. The book uh, was released just recently, and um, you asked for my endorsement, which I told you, of course, was the kiss of yeah. death for the book. But <laughs> well, I haven't sold I was... any yet, so I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the reason. Um, but anyway, I did appreciate that. I was very uh, honored to 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 endorse the book, and I, I really feel like the book does to uh, do something that very few books do. Uh, you, you clearly uh, repeat a lot of the themes that are addressed in other pro-life books, which is good. So people are going to get, you know, the basic apologetics, how to debate abortion. But what I think the book offers, which is different than many books out there, is that it provides an expose and a critique of the church's inaction and apathy on abortion. And as a former pastor, I think you have a whole lot of credibility in, in addressing that. And so we want to talk about that primarily today. And that is what can Christians be doing to stem the tide of abortion? Now, 49 years of uh, since Roe versus Wade, which we're going to mark here on Saturday, 49 years of Roe versus Wade. What can the church be doing? And so what I'd like to do, I want to go through, you know, just talk about several of the chapters and, and some of the things you say in the book. Great. Then is ask you a few questions. Um, let's start out you in on um, chapter eight. Uh, it's titled uh, "The Ones We're Ashamed of: The Dehumanizing Effects of Legal Abortion." Uh, you make the case that no one's left untouched by legal abortion. That's true, and you say this, and I quote: "When it comes to how the unborn are viewed in our society, silent pastors and dispassionate Christians have a great deal in common with the abortionists." Both view the unborn as miserably inconvenient. For the abortionist, this provides the justification to dismember him. For pastors and churches, this provides the justification to do absolutely nothing while the abortionist dismembers them. I think this is a hugely profound point. Uh, I call the church's reaction to abortion soft bigotry in that mm -hmm. we understand the abortionist, the abortion industry, 
they're bigots just straight out. They they don't believe the unborn are human. Uh, you know, they 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 discriminate against them based on that. But the church will say that the unborn are human, but they don't act like it. They don't act like it. So what I'd like to ask you is uh, how does the church church's silence over abortion damage our gospel witness? <clears throat> well, I mean, I mean, think of it. Jesus is the lover and the protector of children. And he's, you know, we speak adoringly of Jesus, the lover and the protector of children. But when the church won't love these children that he loves and protects enough to speak up for them, um, we're presenting a very weak, uh, a rather feckless or, or cowardly um, uh, persona, not persona, but a, a weak church. We're just we're, we're, we're presenting a weak church. I, I think that the, the seeker sensitive movement has actually done untold damage to the church while it was well motivated. Um, uh, at least I think in part or with most, um, it's done untold damage because I think it has it has allowed pastors to think or to value being liked over being respected. And I think right. that's been a huge tactical error on the part of the church over the last 30 or so, 30 plus years, perhaps. Um, we're, we're called first and foremost. I mean, I want to be likable. If we want our gospel to be heard, we, we need to be likable, of course. Right. But when being liked is valued over being respected, respected for standing for truth, um, we're giving away the farm. I, I, um, I like what you actually said. In fact, I quote you in the book that I think you said successful reformers are seldom liked and liked reformers are seldom successful. And I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of truth in that. Right. So I think we are, and it's not, I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood though by those that are watching because I don't think it's that, gee, the world is wishing we would speak up for the unborn. They don't want us to. They want us to shut up. I know that. But what they need us to do, it's not what they want. It's what they need. What they need is they need to hear our gospel um, witness. They need to hear us speaking up for those who have no voice. They need it whether they want it or need it, or I'm sorry, whether they want it or know it or not. My guest is Mike Spencer, and he has a new book. It's called Humanly Speaking, The Evil of Abortion, The Silence of the Church, and the Grace of God, as we approach the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Uh, Mike, something I found, uh, again, very profound, when you talked about uh, you know, the church loving the unborn, you said, well, at least we should love them as our enemies, not just our neighbors. I thought that was pretty interesting because we are commanded to love our enemies. Even if we did right. that, we'd be doing a better job than we probably are yeah. now. Yeah, and that's really the point there that I was making. Obviously, we're called first and foremost to love our, our unborn neighbors as our neighbors. Um, right, the Bible right. is clear, Old New Testament, that the, the, the Old New Testament writers see the unborn as distinct living and whole human beings. That's the, the way they are treated. So we should first and foremost be loving them as our neighbors. My point is, if, if we're not going to love them as our neighbors, can we at least grant them this low threshold of enemy status? Because Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to do good to our enemies, to pray for our enemies. If, if churches would just do that, I think it was John Ensor who said, you know, if, if the church would, would just protect their own children, this whole enterprise would, would collapse. Now, that may be an overstatement, but I think Ensor makes a good point. If we would just give, grant enemy status to the unborn and pray for them, if, if all churches would do is on right. Sunday mornings is pray publicly, unashamedly for the unborn, that would have a profound impact right. on the, the numbers of babies that would, uh, right. would no longer be dying. In chapter 10 of the uh, the book, uh, Obstacles, this is the title, Obstacles, Hurdles, and Hitches, you address six of the common excuses the churches uh, used in, on uh, being silent on abortion. One of the excuses you say is speaking out against abortion will turn away people from the gospel. We understand that the primary uh, purpose, goal, mission of the uh, church is to make disciples, to spread the gospel, to evangelize. 
And so a lot of pastors use it as an excuse saying, well, this will hurt our witness and it'll turn people away. Uh, in that in that chapter, you address that. How do you respond to it? That question. Well, you know, this objection. Yeah, this objection that that speaking out against abortion is going to turn people from the, turn people away from the gospel is is completely turned on its head. The reality mm-hmm. is the opposite. It, it, right. People don't recognize their need for a savior until they recognize or admit that they are a sinner and in need of that. Uh, if we were to take this same, well, what's being argued here, of course, is that the church should just remain silent while innocent children in our own congregations, in many cases, are dying. And, and that's repulsive. Um, right. But I mean, suppose we were to apply this mentality to other sins, that we shouldn't speak out against adultery because it might turn adulterers away from the gospel. I mean, mm-hmm. was John the Baptist guilty of turning Herod away from the gospel? Of course not. Um, this is uh, this is really a revealing a low view of the gospel. Um, to think that we have to be more clever than the gospel, we have to we have to be more clever in how we present things so that people will come to Christ. If we present the gospel as it is, that we are sinners separated from Christ in need of a savior, and we put it out there, and and we and we don't shy or, or shrink back from calling abortion the sin that it is, we actually do people a favor. First of all, we're doing those a favor who might be considering an abortion, but we're also doing a favor to those who have had abortions and are struggling with the guilt and the shame and the regret of that. We're giving them an opportunity to find that, to, to lead them to Christ. So I think this is completely, you know, Paul said, I would not have known what sin was if it were not for the law. So, um, you know, I, the church that refuses yeah. to stand against uh, the evil of abortion has already abandoned the gospel that it claims to be protecting. My guest is Mike Spencer. He has a new book uh, called Humanly Speaking. You know, Mike, I often quote you. Um, you have said, I, I think it's original to you, that uh, the reason why pastors don't preach on abortion is they either believe abortion's not that bad or the gospel's not that, not that good. Right. Abortion's not that bad or the gospel's not that good. I think that is hugely profound. I think it really, in a, in a phrase, in a sentence, pretty much capsulizes why uh, pastors won't preach us. They're afraid of people coming to them who have had abortions, who are living in silence, or they're afraid they somehow believe that the gospel is not good enough to forgive folks and they're afraid of doing it. I think that's a a really uh, strong point. In chapter 13, moving on, um, it's entitled Raising the Right Kind of Rebels. I love this one because that's what we're doing here at Created Equal. (laughs) We're raising rebels. But you write, uh, quote, because it's much easier to entertain our young people with synthetic thrills, I love that, than to train them in godly, self-sacrificing character. We deprive them of a calling worthy of their humanity. And you go on. You know, there's an epidemic with young people today. I mean, (laughs) the other day I was at one of my rental properties. I went to the two rental properties. And in both of those rental properties, the young people were playing video games or sitting on the couch. I mean, they're, they're not employed. They're not working. They have no vision, no purpose for their lives. Right. I think this is a problem. Obviously, social media is a problem and all of that. But we are uh, we are unfortunately not painting a vision for our young people to get out into the uh, into the marketplace of ideas and defend the Christian faith. How do you believe the pro-life movement is addressing this or remedying this problem? Because we see it here at Created Equal. Although we're effective in raising up and training young people, we still struggle in trying to attract them to the cause. Well, and, and that's that's, a, an, that's an interesting statement because nobody that I know is doing that better than Created Equal. Um, but to, to answer the question, state that question again, let me make sure I answer the question. Well, just, you, you, you know, how is the pro-life movement uh, attempting to remedy okay. this problem yeah. of young people living without a cause or, or having right. any kind of purpose right. in life? 
Well, I mean, let's face it. When we're teenagers, there's this natural, well, people of all age, but certainly when you're a teenager, there's this natural inclination, this desire to rebel. And yeah, when yeah. the church doesn't step up and give young people something good to rebel against, or maybe I should say something bad to, to rebel against, yeah, in this right. case, abortion, that vacuum is going to be filled. So they're going to rebel against parents. They're going to rebel against God. They're going to rebel against the church. Um, I'm not suggesting that we that we just give them this as some program to keep them from rebelling against, uh, you know, other things. Right. But this is some this is a, a, a calling worthy of their status as human beings, as, as God's image bearers. And they are responding to it. You know, I see mm -hmm. it in my work all of the time. You right. certainly see it in your work. And so I, I think that that pastors and, and Christian parents, by the way, uh, in fact, it starts really with them. Have done um, have have not been good at harnessing these primal urges to rebel for for the kingdom's sake, and right, and not right. have, have and and I think that the, the the result is that a lot of our young people are seeing the church again as weak and as feckless, and so I think when we we give them something worthy of their humanity, um, I think when we give them the tools, and give them the opportunities as you guys are doing to get out there and, and in in the streets and to be able to speak up for those who have no voice, we are doing them a great service. They are changing lives, and they are having their lives changed in the meantime. My guest is Michael Spencer. Again, folks, you can pick up this book by going to our store at createdequal.org. In fact, I'm going to have a special offer later in the program if you're interested in picking up the book, Humanly Speaking, The Evil of Abortion, The Silence of the Church, and The Grace of God. Uh, to finish up, Michael, I'd like to talk about pastors. I know the book is not primarily aimed at pastors, although you do have one chapter in the book. That's chapter 11. Dealing right. with them, this is more directed to Christians in general and how to get involved. But in uh, chapter 11, Unmuting the Pulpit and Unleashing the Gospel, you talk about four duties that the pastor should have, pro-life pastor. Uh, and one of those is, quote, from his pulpit, the pastor must condemn abortion in no uncertain terms for the evil that it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's where we they fall down in many cases. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. This is just more of a personal thing over. You know, I've been doing this a long time, a couple of decades, and I struggle myself with thinking that pastors need need some kind need more education or they need somebody to tell them that what they should what they should be doing on abortion. Don't we all know what's going on? I mean, this is what, right. 50 some years, almost 50 years of abortion. Yeah, I think pastors sh really should know what they should be doing. How do you address? Right. That? Well, first of all, it is a scandal that our seminaries and our Bible colleges are not training young men, uh, up-and-coming pastors, to speak out and, and to know how to equip their congregations to do so. That's right. a great scandal right there. But they're really, even, even apart from that, I don't think shepherds today have an excuse for their silence. When, when we have, um, first of all, when everybody's talking about abortion, politicians, right, movie right. stars, everybody. When everybody's especially talking this about year. abortion. Yeah, especially this year, right. When everybody's talking about abortion, when science has clearly um, settled the issue of when human life begins. And when we have a plethora of um, prolate resources available at our fingertips, you know, on Google mm -hmm. and, and so forth, there really is no excuse for pulpit silence. It is indefensible. And so, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why pastors go silent, but I think fear is the big one. You know, a fear of offending, uh, a fear of losing right. people, a fear of looking political, whatever. But none of these fears are good reasons not to defend the unborn. Well, you go on to say uh, in this chapter, that the pastor knows that attending pro-life banquets and sponsoring yeah. baby bottle drives is no sub substitute for the bold biblical preaching that condemns abortion and champions the cause of the little ones Christ loves so tenderly. 
you know, we're coming up to Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and it, it to me, it's kind of a, a little hard for me, honestly, to, to, on the one hand, I'm glad that pastors around America are going to be preaching on abortion. I think that's important. Many of them are. Mm -hmm. But I also think to myself, well, sometimes this is just an excuse for the pastor just once a year. That is if they do it once a year to preach on abortion. I mean, isn't every Sunday Sanctity of Life Human Sunday, Human Life Sunday? Really? Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, if this is really in our DNA, if we're really passionate, the, the truly pro-life pastor is not going to see um, this as a burden, first and foremost. Although there's no doubt right. that there's a degree to which this is a burden and speaking yes. to it is a burden. But this is a privilege. This is an opportunity for the yeah. church and for the shepherd to do his job. I mean, he is first and foremost a sheep protector. That that if you were to boil the job description down to two words, he's a sheep protector. That's what, I mean. He's a sheep feeder. He's other things too. But he is first and foremost a sheep uh, protector. And so, um, our our pulpits should be ablaze with righteous preaching against the evil of abortion, and also holding out the gospel to those who've been uh, to those who have, have aborted their children and and now regret it. These are not conflicting interests. These are not competing interests. The pastor can do both by speaking the truth and love. We do both. And so, yes, I think um, there is no excuse that pastors have got to light their pulpits on fire and not just quarantine it to one Sunday in January or worse yet, bringing in the local pregnancy care center director. No offense to her. I'm glad they bring her in, but giving right. her only 10 minutes to share her wares. And then it's kind of like a bully payment there. I paid my quarter. Don't beat me up after school today. You know, there I did my thing, my, my pro-life offering. It's taken care of for the year. If this is really in our DNA, it's going to surface throughout the year, throughout different sermons. There's going to be plenty of opportunity, and we should be taking those opportunities. So, Mike, we got about two minutes left. If you could wrap it up, tell us about Project Life Voice. What's the mission, purpose of the ministry? And if you would, leave some marching orders for our listeners. Sure. Well, we are a, a gospel-driven human rights organization that equips and inspires pro-life ambassadors to speak intelligently and to act sacrificially on, on behalf of those most marginalized and targeted, and that is, of course, the unborn. Um, that's, that's our mission. We go into schools, churches, a lot of banquet speaking, a lot of pro-life apologetic workshops uh, in all kinds of venues. So that's what we do. Just as a parting word, I would just say to your audience, to Christians in general, as well as to pastors who might be listening, um, again, it is our duty as Christians to speak up for the least of these, but it is first and foremost our privilege. I have a duty to love my wife, Yeah. but really it's, if, it's not just a duty. It's a privilege to love my wife. It's a joy to my to love my to, to love my wife. And when when our hearts are right on this, then the duty sort of dissipates and it is replaced with this with this joy and this privilege. So rather than looking at it as well, this is our obligation. We should look at it as what I do for the least of these, I do for Christ. This is our joy. This is our opportunity. This is our time to stand, and it is no time for apathy or cowardice. My guest today has been Michael Spencer, and he is the. Uh director of Project Life Voice, and you can find out more by going to projectlifevoice.com. You can invite him to come to your church or your event, speak to your group, present the pro-life apologetics, or you can speak in, you know, on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever. Travels the country speaking on behalf of the unborn. Mike is a former pastor, 23 years of experience, and also Worked for my good friend uh, and colleague, Scott Klusendorf at Life Training Institute. Mike, thanks for being on the program. Thank you very much. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael Spencer of Project Life Voice. Uh, you can find out more again by going to projectlifevoice.com. 
And friends, I want you to take action. There's a couple things I'd like you to do today. Three points, if you will. The first is this. I'd like you to provide me some input. That is, I'd like you to go to my website, markharringtonshow.com, and click on the submit a comment on the right side. There's a tab there. I'd like you to leave a message and, and let me know if there are any topics you'd like me to cover on the program, topics I haven't covered. Maybe there's a guest that I should have on the show that I haven't had previously. So you can go to markharringtonshow.com, click on the tab, leave a comment. Also, if you have a comment about the program, I'll read it on the air or question, and I'll answer your question or read your comment. Finally, the last thing, and more importantly probably, is if you would like to pick up the book by Michael Spencer called Humanly Speaking, The Evil of Abortion, The Silence of the Church, and The Grace of God, you can do that by donating $25 to our ministry. Go to markherringtotro.com. At the bottom of the page, of the homepage, there's a donate link. If you click on that, you can give electronically to our ministry. And if you put in the comment section of that page that you'd like us to send you the book free of charge, we will send it to you for a donation of $25 or more. Again, go to markharringtonshow.com or createdequal.org, either one. Click on the donate link and give us $25 or more, and we will send you the book, Humanly Speaking, by Michael Spencer. So as we uh, wrap up the program today, I want to talk a little bit about the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, which is on the 22nd, which is uh, this Saturday, and Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which is generally the day after that this year. It'll be on January 23rd. Now, you might wonder, what is that? What is Roe versus Wade? What's the anniversary of Roe versus Wade? That is, here it is. It's in, in 1973, the abortion decision was handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court, legalized or decriminalized abortion all the way through nine months of pregnancy. This is the 49th anniversary. Now, this year is a little different because the U.S. Supreme Court is currently deliberating and deciding, or going to be deciding, the fate of Roe versus Wade. Uh, There is hope amongst us in the pro-life movement that they're going to overturn Roe with this Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. So, folks, we need to be praying that the justices do the right thing, that they don't cave to the pressure uh, that will be coming inevitably by the pro-abortion movement. Uh, We pray uh, we need to be praying that they have the courage to do the right thing. Uh, and, and then finally, what I'd like to wrap up with is just talking about how uh, abortion is a gospel issue. We touched on that briefly with Michael Spencer here today, and I think a lot of people don't consider it as such. We think that somehow abortion is a political issue, or it's a legal issue, or a constitutional issue, or it's a science, or, or philosophy, or any of those things. Of course, all those things are true. But all truth is God's truth, right? And so even if it is those issues, that doesn't uh, give us the excuse to not address the issue. But I would say also, and even primarily, abortion is a gospel issue. In other words, it's spiritual. And why do I say that? Well, if you look at the what the purpose of the church is, Jesus outlined that in Matthew 28, where he said, quote, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Quote, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28. This is the Great Commission, the, the mission that, that Jesus gave to the church to make disciples of the nations. Now, we are to preach the gospel, obviously, but the goal and purpose of the church is to actually convert people to the gospel, to disciple the nations. And Jesus, in this passage, tells us what that would look like. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, think about it, friends. The Bible contains the words, thou shall not shed innocent blood in the sixth commandment. If we're talking about all that Jesus commanded us, it includes the Old Testament as well as the New. It's more than just the red letters of the Gospels. That's not all we're supposed to be paying attention to. We should be paying attention to the entire Word of God, the whole counsel of God, which includes the prohibition against the shedding of innocent blood. And so, friends, we need to understand abortion is at the heart of it, a gospel issue, and we need to change people's hearts and minds using the gospel and discipling the nations. So, as, as, as it's been said before, when 250,000 abortions occurring in the church every year, this is an issue for the church to be addressing to its own people. But beyond that, we need to be out in the culture, spreading the gospel and sharing the truth about life and the evil of abortion. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.